episode 170. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Husher and I'm the host of this show and I'm absolutely delighted that you're joining me today. Welcome. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. So this week's episode and next week's episode are both recordings that I did with the same person and she's chosen to be anonymous. It's a single mum sharing her story and I'm really excited that she has come onto the show to share her story. You know, we were talking a little bit about stories and stuff after we, we were recording and something that I think is very important to maybe just reiterate is that a lot of people sort of think their story is not wow enough to kind of talk about on the show. And to me, these are the important stories. These are the common stories. These are the stories that people really resonate with. So if being on the show is something that you have been thinking about and you don't think your story is, you know, crazy enough or wow enough or unusual enough, it doesn't matter. You know, every story is unique and Everyone can learn something out of everyone's story. So if that's something that's hold you back, please don't let it hold you back and please get in touch with me if you are willing to share your story. I would love to hear from you. So we recorded these episodes a couple of months ago, but I'm recording this introduction now since I've come back from my trip. And I know there's been lots of interest about, you know, how my whole trip came about and I've talked a little bit about it on Instagram. If you're unaware, I went to Necker Island, which is Richard Branson's island. It was an amazing experience. And I'd love to share more about that trip with you in detail. So I'll probably do an episode where I just talk about it in more detail, or maybe I'll write a blog post about it. I'm not sure exactly yet how I will formulate that, but I definitely would love to share some of that with you because it was definitely a life-changing experience. And I can tell you right now that I'm excited about 2020. I've, you know, I'm making some decisions. The wheels in my brain are turning. I feel more motivated and I feel more inspired than ever. And I'm really excited to share some, you know, things that I want to do next year, but we'll get into that later. First of all, thank you to everybody who continually write into me. Like it is so nice to get your emails. I absolutely love it and I just value it so much. So thank you. I do have a review that I wanted to read out today and I just wanted to shout out to this person who left this iTunes review from Australia who is also called Julia who wrote, Hi Julia, thank you for covering the domestic violence topic. It is so needed and more widespread than people realise. I wanted to share some news, however. A single mother I know of recently committed suicide. She had two children who were teenagers. She was living with her parents because she didn't have much money and she had been divorced for around 10 years. She was a lovely girl, came from a good family, was a traditional person and always appeared to be managing well and certainly not into drugs or anything. Unfortunately, I did not know her well and I now regret not taking the time to get to know her and to see if she had friends or whether she even knew about this podcast. She was someone who fell through the cracks, and it's a tragedy. I don't know if she saw a psychologist or ever reached out for help, but I know that your podcast will help those who don't reach out. 
I feel so sorry for this poor lady and I've realized how important it is to reach out and offer help even if it's not asked for and to make the effort to contact others. I'm going to start by seeking out single mothers in my area and telling them about your podcast. Thank you once again for all the hope and inspiration of this podcast. (sighs) Julia, first of all, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Like, I got to tell you, when I read that, it I cried a lot. I think you're absolutely right. This is someone who's fallen through the cracks and it is a fucking tragedy. It really is. There's no other words to describe it. This makes me so sad. And I feel like we do. It's, we do need to reach out to each other. You know, connection with each other is so powerful. That's why I'm so grateful for the women who come here to share their stories, to, you know, to help other women see that they're not alone, that there's help, that there's a way, that there's a light, that there are things you can do, that there's services out there. And this was in response to, I'm assuming, the episodes that I did 166 and 167, which was a very courageous woman sharing her story with domestic violence and her experience with that. And, you know, her story was absolutely devastating. But my heart really goes out to this this woman that you mentioned, Julia, and I think, you know, you sound amazing to, to reach out to people and to want to help. And also, I hope that this doesn't weigh on you. Like, it's not it's, it's so easy to say in hindsight, you know, we should have done this, we should, but no, like, how would you know? And I think you sound like a really caring person and it's really lovely. And oh, I mean, your heart breaks for these kids and their families and it is absolutely awful. I thank you for sharing this podcast with people and I truly hope that it does help people in feeling supported in some way. So maybe it's something we can all you know, take moving forward that to ask people if they're okay. I know that there's this big thing about are you okay day. Why does it have to be are you okay day? Let's ask people every day. Let's reach out to strangers. Let's ask people how they are and actually mean it. Let's respond with how we mean it. Let's not go fine, thanks. Let's go, you know what? It's been a rough day. I'm, I'm struggling. Let's be honest with each other. Let's connect with each other. Let's help each other. Thank you so much for writing that review for me. And, you know, if the podcast is something that you found helpful, I'd love it if you could write a review as well. And what it does is it does boost the podcast and it does make it easier for new single parents to find. So I'd be very grateful if you had a few minutes to do that for me. Okay, it's time to get into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. It's another beautiful single mum. She's anonymous, which is totally cool. And um, it's part one of her story. We will carry on with part two next week. But let's get into it. So today on the show, I have another lovely single mum on the show who's sharing her story and she's staying anonymous today. But hi, how are you? How are you, Julia? I'm very well, thank you. So tell me a little bit about you. Where do you live? How many kids do you have? And how old are they, if that's okay as well? Yeah, Um, I live um, on the south coast near Luara. Yeah. in New South Wales and I have two daughters I have um, my oldest daughter is 18 she'll be 19 at the end of the year and my younger daughter is 14 so um teenage years so you're just <laughs> getting sort of, through them 
Yes, you're sort of coming out the other side of one and <laughs> just getting started yes. on the other. Yes. At least you're an expert now. As a single mum in the um, early teenage years and now sort of just coming out the other end slowly. Ah, oh, okay. So tell tell us what happened. What's the, how has it been, was it the same father with both girls? Yes, same dad. We we were together for, oh, I think it was about 18 years or love, 18, maybe 20 years. <laughs> Wow, um, that's a long time. Married, that is a long time. Um, married for about fifteen years. Wow. Um, up, yeah. And yeah. so, what happened? How was the relationship? Um, look, I, I think you can say in the beginning, just like any normal relationship, totally in love. He was very funny. He was um, attentive. He was everything like that. As years went by, you know. Um, personality changed slowly but surely um there's a lot I can probably talk about a bit later maybe about the verbal and emotional abuse that came about that I was just oblivious to for many years and then it kind of hit me to say well this isn't right but how I came about being um a single mum was I, I kind of think back to the year before he left um he kind of reconnected with an old friend and they started going out um a fair bit and he started just the usual thing, like starting to work out, starting to um, change his diet, lose weight, tanning, um, just doing all sorts of really weird and things, being out all the time with this other friend that he'd reconnected with quite a bit. And oh, was this a, um, a male or a female? It was a male friend. They'd yeah. known each other for many years and just sort of had lost contact. And then he had gotten married to a much younger girl um, and uh, we connected again through the wedding. We were invited to the wedding, and that's how they sort of reconnected again from there. Right. Um, yeah. So they and you know during that last year, I, I couldn't say our marriage was perfect. In fact, I'd say it was pretty horrible. Um, but I still didn't see what happened coming. I still never thought what um, what happened to happen. Um, with he, when he left because even though I'd say that last year was pretty horrible, I still didn't think um, our marriage would break up. I was kind of just going along with it, had kids, yeah, we had a good marriage, it was okay, you know, he was a good provider. Um, he had up and down moments with his personality um, and, 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 and the way he treated me but I just, I had never thought about leaving. I had never thought that we would 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 finish. So, so in saying that, that the actual Saturday night before he left, he had gone out with his friend, and I assume so. I didn't really know who he went out with, and then he didn't come home till like six o'clock in the morning, and I was quite cranky, <laughs> as you would be. Cause I was calling, thinking, well, you know, by about three, I'm thinking time, kind of time to come home. Yeah, and so. When he did come, it was daylight and I was, I just didn't talk to him. We didn't fight. I just didn't talk. That was my way of just not, I just didn't want to talk about it because I was so angry with, I just didn't know who he thought he was just coming, coming, going, not even saying I'm coming home late or and so was caught up. Not usual behaviour for him up until, in the, you know, leading up to that sort of thing, he was just. I'd say like he probably would go out with mates a couple of times a year, you know, like a go out to two o'clock in the morning, go drinking. And I always yeah. knew who these guys were. Yeah. Um, like I said, in this last year, the going out kind of got more frequent and, yeah, just kind of disappearing for long periods. Like on a Saturday just going and, I don't know, saying he's playing golf, but I kind of question whether he was. Like looking back, I don't think he went to play golf, yeah. you know, because golf can 
five hours or so and he'd be gone for a whole day. And, it's such um, a great excuse, isn't it? Because who wants to go and play golf? Like, <laughs> either. So it's like, great, go, go. Yeah, it, it was kind of like that. You know what? I kind of saw it when he was gone for those periods of time as like a relief. Like it was kind of like, all right, it's just me and the girls now. There's no fighting. There's no agitation. He's not going to be cranky at me for doing something that he always saw me doing wrong. It, you know, it was just, it was those days were kind of nice a little bit as well. It yeah. was kind of, okay, he's going out. I never fought them. I never begged him to stay home. It's just like, you know, go kind of thing. But that, that day, that Sunday morning, like I, I still I still can see him laying on the lounge through the day, that day after he'd been out all night. And he kept looking up at me out the corner of his eye. Still we weren't talking, just in the kitchen. I'm cooking dinner and blah, 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 still nothing. And we didn't talk. I went to work the next day. Um, and this is where it sort of started. I went to work next day and I'd felt unwell. So I kind of came home earlier in the day than normal. And I, it was about 1.30, 2 o'clock. And I, I come home and I go into the room to get changed. And I walk into the cupboard and all his stuff's gone. Like everything. What? Everything. Just everything. And I thought, that's really weird. Like I, can't, I, stood, I just stood there. I still remember standing there thinking, what's happening? And then I go into the bathroom, toothbrush is gone. Go to his bedside table. His medication was gone. Oh my god! I just, I just, you know, I, I was just crazy. So of course I tried to call him to yeah. say, "Hey, what's going on?" I still hadn't thought he left. Like I, st- I don't know. I still well, haven't no. thought. I mean, I that's just... not the thing that you would think. I mean, that's so extreme. You wouldn't think that. You just wouldn't so think my that. Discussion. So, oh, I think you know, life's getting a bit too hard for us. I don't think we work together anymore. There's, there was no discussion like that. Yes, there was some fighting throughout that year, but there was no ever discussion of finishing. That is so, bullshit. That pisses me off. Like, what a coward mm-hmm. thing to do. Like, especially after. Oh, it just gets more coward, Julia. Really. It just oh, gets God. worse. <laughs> just, you know, you know, just get, that, that someone can get up and just walk away from a family like that and, and no discussion, no words to the kids. Like, just, yeah. just and nothing. After, and after 18 years, like, to not even have the respect to have mm-hmm. a conversation about it. Like, it's. Just infuriating. So what happened when you called him? So I just, I called him and, of course, no answer. Um, just I kept calling like that afternoon, but it came time for school pickup. So I got to that and I, I went and picked up the kids. Um, they were in year six and year two at the time. And I went and picked them up, come home, didn't say anything to them, just, you know, they thought Dad was at work or whatever, and just left it at that and then came later that night and I just said, oh, I think dad's at um, the grand- his mom's house. Um, I think he's there, you know, whatever. And they didn't think too much because he kind of was gone for periods of time here and there. Like that wasn't a bit of a worry at that stage. I was frantic. Like I was inside. I was just feeling sick, like just so sick because I just I couldn't bat. And why wasn't he answering? Yeah. Were you starting to like think the worst? Like were you starting to think that he had left the relationship or what, like what were you thinking? By that night I was starting to think. And the funny thing is when I think back, I never thought something bad had happened to him. You know what I mean? When someone goes missing, you think yeah. something bad. Like he's obviously planned. Like obviously by him taking his clothes, yeah. he hasn't had a car accident. He hasn't, yeah. like nothing bad had happened to him unexpectedly. It was obviously a planned thing. So I just, yeah, I just never, I just knew that that was kind of it at that stage. But still I needed to wow. talk to him. I was just so frustrated yes. in the fact that he wouldn't walk. Um, wouldn't answer. So, and he like uh, worked for a government agency, so I couldn't. Have, I didn't have a direct line. There was, you know, it was 
uh, like a call centre type place at that time. I couldn't get through. So I couldn't um, speak with him. I didn't know any of his, of his workmates' numbers. So I just, I, I just let it go. Well, I didn't sleep. Got up the next morning, still went to work. I still did the normal routine for the kids thing. I've got to keep it normal. But inside, oh, it, it still makes me feel a bit overcome when I think about how I was feeling because I kept calling. Like it was just constant calling. And by the next day, like I was at work and I, I walked out of work and I tried to call his mum and she's saying, she was shocked. She goes, I don't know, because I thought maybe he'd went there. No, didn't know where he was, didn't know what, what you know, what are you talking about? Why, why is he gone? Why is his clothes gone? She had no idea. So he hadn't spoken to her, which I was surprised about because he was very close with her. Wow. Um, so she started to panic. I didn't want to call. That's why I didn't call her the night before because I thought, yeah, I know what she's like. She'll worry because she's his only son now and her only son and, and so she would worry. So I didn't do anything. So yeah. when I did call her, she started panicking. So she started driving around the streets, just just driving anywhere past houses that he, friends of that he knew and she was just kind of looking all over the place. I didn't even think at that time to still even call that old friend. Um, so another night goes by and she's in constant contact with me, don't know what's happening, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then on the Wednesday night, I think I had a light bulb on going, oh, why don't I call the old friend? So I did. I gave him a call. He was uh, he was just on the phone. I, I At the time, I didn't pick much up on it. But thinking back, he was kind of like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I don't know what you're talking about. He's never said anything to me. Don't know where he is. Don't know what he's doing. Oh, that seems really crazy. Let me see if I can get in contact with him. And I said, oh, that would be really good. If anything, please let him get in, get in, to get in contact with his mum because she's starting to get really worried. Yeah. Okay. So didn't hear back from him, but I found out later on when I did find out where he was that he'd been sitting there the whole time I'd made that phone call because I was saying the kids are getting frantic, your mum's worried, we're all worried, just call someone, let us know where you are. That's all you have to do, even if you're just going for a break or whatever you're doing, you just yeah. need to let someone know you. Especially like from Monday to Wednesday, even though you're obviously just telling this story, it's very short. Like that would have felt like oh, weeks when you haven't, it was, I don't know what's going on. I still remember like making dinner for the kids and just like they're eating because they're kind of like I've said, dad's, you know, gone away with the old friend. I kind of had come up with that excuse and they kind of felt something wrong because I wasn't myself and I knew I wasn't myself. And I'm just sitting there looking at the food. There was, I couldn't eat. I just, I, there's no way I could have picked up a piece of food and put it in my mouth. I was that distressed, that in shock that I just, I just didn't know where it came from. I just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like I said before, if I had a discussion, I would have known that's what he wanted to do, but just nothing. So, so sort of get, got through there. It wasn't until like, so, so Thursday, Wednesday goes by, still no contact. I think it was, it was the Wednesday or the Thursday he sent a text message to our elder daughter to say, he's just gone away for a little while. Everything's okay. And there's nothing I could do. He obviously didn't want to talk to me. I, I didn't keep trying to call um, because, he, you know, he, I'd left lots yeah. of messages knowing that, you know, you need to call me. And when he messaged her, um, my older daughter, I thought, oh, well, that's okay. At least he's okay. He'll come from somewhere. You know, something will happen. I'll find out something down the track. Yeah. But as it happened, it was her birthday on the Saturday, my older daughter's um, 12th birthday, and she was having a party on the Saturday. and he had promised to decorate her birthday cake. So I hadn't heard from him. So I'd ordered the cake and I'd, I thought, well, after work I'll, I'll pick up the cake from our local shopping centre and um, 
come home and I'll just I'll just have to decorate it. Not very good at it, but I'll give it a go. She wanted a tennis court or something on top of this cake, so it was going to be a lot of fun me trying to do this. But, so <laughs> I went down to try. Before I even went to pick up the cake, I was walking through the shopping centre and who do I see but him and his old friend. Just, what? He's got the cake up his arm. Yep. So he's still local. He obviously must have been staying at this guy's house. He had the cake under his arm and he was going up the escalators. I kind of just froze in shock. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what? Was this on the Saturday morning? This is the Friday afternoon. So it was Friday afternoon. So I followed them up and they're just talking normal. Like it just was so surreal because it was like my whole world has fallen apart and you're just walking up these escalators with your friend. Like nothing's, like yeah. you haven't left your wife family. Like you haven't just disappeared off the face yeah. of the earth. Without a care so in the world. Up, Without a care, there was no care in the world. He's la- he was actually laughing. I still remember him throwing his head back and laughing at something his friend had said. Oh my god! Just little bizarre things stick out to me sometimes. Like I, I, there's some things I just don't remember because it's so long ago now. It's seven years ago. Yeah. But there's something really stick out because I was just so in shock. And, and we get up to the top, and I, I thought, how do I play this? I can't go crazy because yeah. I'm in a public place. <laughs> so I just got on the shoulder and I said, "Oh, hi! Remember me?" And he looked at me like as if. He'd never seen me before in his life. Like he had what? never seen me. And his friend was just standing there like his eyes were wide, just like, oh, what the hell is going to happen here? And I said, where have you been? Why haven't you contacted me to say you're okay or what's happening? I said, I don't know what's happening. He'd laughed and he looked at his friend and he said, see, I told you she's psycho. What? And I stood there and I, I thought, you, you're not seeing psycho here. I'm just in shock. I can barely yeah. talk. I would have been like, ghost want to see fucking psycho? I'll show you fucking psycho. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you're lucky I'm in shock. <laughs> so I just, I didn't know, um, you know, how do you act in this situation? Do you go full crazy or do you just? Yeah. So I, I was, because so sh- I was honestly in shock. There's no other words around it. I was just. That's he said so that and then he was so with the friend again and they walked off. They just, I was just left standing there. And the lady at the shop just at the door said to me, she came over because I stood there just frozen. She goes, oh, are you okay? And I said, oh, yeah. And he, she just kind of stood there for a minute with me. I said, I'm just going to go home. And she goes, okay. So I, I walk out a door, not on the top level, not where my car was. And I started wandering around these outside car park trying to find my car. I was literally, I can't even remember what I was thinking. I just, I walked around for half an hour every level looking for my car because I just didn't even know where I was, to be honest. I just was so much in shock that he, that I'm his wife, someone he spent all this time with and he belittles me and makes me out to be a nobody in front of his friend who he hadn't seen for years and all of a sudden, you know, this guy's the most important thing to him. So. I, I, you know, I, I get in the car, I finally find it and I get in the car and I drive over to a car park that's outside the shopping centre and I have a full meltdown. Like I was screaming, I was crying, I was just, um, oh, it's making me emotional now. I was just such in shock. I just, anyway, and I just, I don't know how long I was. Well. Like it's just it was, so hurtful. Yeah. It's so I'm not patting my shoulder. I'm you upset. Look, I just needed some, why couldn't he just have said, Something like, but knowing, you know, if you understood his personality, there's no way he would have ever put his arm around my shoulder and said, it's okay, I just need some time or whatever was going on yeah. in his, his mind. I mean, that would be most people's response, seeing the woman yeah. that they've spent so much time with who's the mother of the children, you know, it's exactly. not like I'm neighbor. I'm someone that's been important in his life. And that I think that was the hardest thing for me to 
to try to um, come to grips with. And I was in such a state in this car park, a council worker came over and knocked on my window and, and he, he must have heard me and he, he knocked and I, I put the window down and he said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, we'll be in a minute, I'm fine. He goes, are you sure you don't need to get anybody? And I said, no, it's okay. And that's when I called my parents and I said, oh, you know, found him, this is what happened and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. somehow I got back home. But when, the funny, between, like I must have been over in the car park for a little while because by the time I got back home, he was here. Oh, my God, he was at your house. He was at the house oh, with the kids, sitting at the bench, decorating the cake, laughing with the kids like this whole week hadn't happened. Like that just didn't happen. Oh <laughs> that was the most surreal. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> no, my head was spinning. So I walked in and go, Dad's home, Mum, Dad's home. Mom. Yeah, like I just pretended I was happy too, yeah. you know, and not that it just happened, it happened because the whole thing, I just acted for weeks and weeks in front of them about how it was. Yeah, they knew. Like there was moments I let my guard down, but I, there was a lot of acting on my part that everything's okay and yeah. inside it wasn't, it really wasn't. You know, he did, he stayed to decorate the cake and then just walked out because oh, I went into the bedroom. I thought I can't stay out in this kitchen. I can't be here to be part of it. And I stayed in the bedroom until he left. Yeah. And he, and he just left. Didn't say goodbye. Didn't put his head in, and I thought it's probably not good anyway because I'm so emotional. Yeah. So he left um, and didn't come to a birthday party. Wasn't part of anything like that. Just, just, and that was just the start. That was just the beginning of just years of hell. Honestly, to just years of hell, years of him just dropping out of our lives wow. all the time. Just it just there's there's so much to the story. We could be here for hours, but. Yeah, there's just kind of on-off periods. Like, so, so that happened that day, and then he, he moved in with his mum. Not long after that, um, he got so some advice. Point, had there been any discussion? Sorry. Like, had had he still no discussion with you at all? Talk to me. He refused to talk to me at all. And I don't know how, but I kept going to work. I just kept getting up. I think I was on autopilot. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person that likes to keep busy. And I thought if I sit down and think about it, I won't get up again. So for me, hope I no one at work knew. There's no one. It was probably three or four weeks later. I made a flippant comment to my boss, and he said, "You haven't been yourself last couple of weeks. Come and sit down, and tell me what's happening." And and that's when I let it all out to him. Yeah. And he said, "Why me? Like you know, why you need?" And I said, "No, I need to be here because I would go insane if I wasn't keeping busy." Yeah. So. No, from but the, the thing that got me was the moment we found like knew where he was and his mum knew where he was and he went back to his mum. I never heard from her again. From I the never, I, from his mum. Never. Now he was. She was picking them up from school two days a week. He did one day a week, and my parents did one. I was working full time. Well, it was kind of full time. I I brought down another day so I could pick them up as well. It's kind of a mixed bag of everyone doing a bit. Yes, and just. It just stopped. She she didn't call to say she wasn't getting them. What? She didn't, you know, there was no conversation. There was not nothing from him or her to say, don't worry, we're still getting the girls. It was just, that was it. It was like they never existed. It was. That's it was horrible. Like, How could she do that? Like, but, but in saying that, she has not, she has not contacted me once to see, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you need help with the kids? Let me take the kids out. Not, not an offer from her, nothing. Wow. In the whole seven years. So you haven't spoken to her since then? I've spoken to her twice. Once was I uh, was picking up 
my younger daughter from the house one day when she was visiting and she came out and she actually said to me, she goes, oh, I'm so sorry about everything that happened. And I said, what do you mean you're sorry? And she goes, well, you know, I'll try not to let his name out. Yeah. You know, um, he, he, poor Michael, I'll just say Michael, poor Michael, poor Michael, you know, he's had it hard. And I looked at her and I said, poor Michael. Yeah. I said, from the day he walked out, he, he, he walked from the kids and me, and this is a couple of years later, and has not offered help once. What do you mean, poor Michael? Yeah. Um, and she was just like looking at me like I was strange and I'm looking at her like, she, like what is coming out of your mouth? And I just knew, I just knew she wouldn't, she would, would never see my point of view, never see but her. who knows what he's me. told her either, you know what I mean? That's like, of course. If, if of course. he's going around telling his friend that you're a psycho, who knows what he's told his mum? He could be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Bloody hell. So, you know, it was just a period of like, so he got advice after he was living with his mum for a few weeks and this was leading up to Christmas and, and one day I came home and he was, he'd moved back in. Like what? I came home from work and he's back. Who's <laughs> back? This guy. This is so he's fucked up. Who does he think he is? I hadn't got the keys on. I hadn't changed the locks. I just, I don't know. I, you know, I don't think about things. I just didn't think about things like that. Um, and he was back. So when he, he put all his clothes in the bathroom like the second bathroom, he, he wasn't in the bedroom. He'd set up a bed out in the lounge. Um, he, he'd made, he'd gotten some food that that's his food he's going to make. And I said to him, I said, we haven't had a discussion. We still haven't talked really. We still haven't talked about what happened. Yeah. And I still don't have answers. I still seven years later do not have any answers from him about why he did what he did. Wow. I have shocking. I think he, um, because, oh, you know, here's another aspect. Oh, oh, these things will just keep coming to my mind because I just remember as I'm going along. Yeah. Because it was a couple of months after he had left and I, he knew where I parked. He, he worked near the school where I picked up the, where the kids went to school. So I parked, I was waiting to walk up the road. I was a bit early. And I just happened to look up and I was sitting in the car and I looked up. He knew where I parked when I picked up the kids. Here he is walking down the street with his arms around a girl. Him and this girl got the arm. This is like... Three months later, maybe not even, a couple of months later, he's walking down the street arm in arm with a girl. At the school? Yeah, walking past the school where I was parked. Jesus. So his kids could have seen him. You know, they could have been outside playing, whatever. Yeah. Um, and he was and he he back living with you at this point? No, he, that, that I'm sort of jumping all over the okay. place. He, I had asked him to move. Like there was a point when he'd moved back in, I'd asked him to leave. Like he was there for probably two weeks. And I said, this isn't working. It's not good for the kids. We're fighting. I can't cope with you living in the home. So he'd had advice to say he should stay in the home, otherwise he'll never get um, the house. He'll never get money for the house or if he doesn't live here. So that's what he thought he was doing to try and stake his claim on the house. Oh, my gosh. And it just came to a point one night where I was literally on my knees begging him to go, promising him he'll get half the house, he'll get whatever. It's just not good for the kids. It's not good for my mental health that you're actually living here. It's just not working. So he did He did agree to go, which I found very strange. I think he actually thought this is too much, it's not working. Um, And whether he had this girl on the side and he couldn't get to her enough because he was living here, I don't know. Um, But he left and he he ended up living. He lived with his mum for about three or four years after 
we broke up. So he he did live there for some time. But he was seeing this same girl. So it was a girl from work. So I can only assume he was having an affair with her um, and that probably why. And she's much younger. So when he reconnected with his other friend with a much younger wife, he's probably thought, hmm, he can do it. Oh, you know, I can do it. And, and knowing him, knowing his peacock styling that he has, he would think that he could do that that he could get the younger girl and, hey, look at me, look, I aren't good because I've got a younger girl. So, yeah. yeah. So that was that's how I kind of put together what actually happened and why he left. I, I truly believe she obviously um, catered to something he needed and, and she, <laughs> I wouldn't call her the lucky one, but she was, <laughs> she's managed to hook him and, and they're still together now, actually. Wow, really? Yeah. Boy. Far out. Yeah. Mm. And so what happened at Christmas? When was the Christmas that he, <sighs> was that before then? So, yeah, he left. It was probably the beginning, end of November he he left. So when he left, we had just finished renovating, like probably the beginning of that year. We had um, done a full, like, you know, flooring and painting and kitchen and and just tidying everything up. We had just the week, this is what's strange, the week before he left, we had um, booked and paid for an overseas trip to America, like Disneyland, New York, Hawaii, all that. It just, because the week paid for it, but hadn't gone, been yet. It hadn't been. We were going in April of the next year. So this is November. So right. probably just at the beginning of November, we booked and paid for the holiday for April. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because now I look back, I can see because I'd gone to him and said the real, the, the travel agent's looking for um, the money. We have to pay the money for the, the flights and everything and um, we need to pay for that. And I said to him, do you want to pay for that now? He, he's, he's very reluctant and I kind of thought, oh, okay, that's really strange. And and then he I, I said, okay, well, I'll go and pay that. And he's like, oh, oh, can't we wait a bit longer? And I'm going, well, they're asking for it now. We better pay for it now. Otherwise, we might lose our flights. He goes, yep, yeah, okay. So pay for it. It was all paid for. So fully paid for. So we had all these things lined up as if this wasn't meant to happen, like the breaking up wasn't meant to happen because we had all these things lined up. Yes. Anyway, so leading up to Christmas, he actually, he was begging me. So he, he it was her birthday beginning of December and then just the, he's come for a couple of weeks and then he um, had gone back to his nuts. But he'd asked to come and stay the night before Christmas to be here for the kids. And I, I thought, you know, it was for the kids. So I said yes. Um, and it was the most uncomfortable Christmas ever. It really was horrible. It just, you know, he slept out in the lounge. We woke up in the morning. The kids were excited things they didn't know. He, he came in late the night before a surprise for him. Yeah. And they were that he was here but like literally it was the worst thing and then he he brought me some jewelry and he'd gone all out to buy this jewelry and a present and everything for me and I was just shocked because I'd bought nothing for him and yeah, I yeah it wasn't even a thought <laughs> in my mind there's a lot more things going on than that and um it was like that time when I said I spoke to his mum and she said oh you know you know Paul Michael blah 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 She'd also said, why didn't you take him back that Christmas? Because he went out on his own and brought that ring for you. You should have taken him back. He loved you. (laughs) Yeah. 
No, a ring wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I knew, like, even though I was so devastated, like it really is when someone just ups and leaves like that so suddenly, and that's why when I had listened to the other podcast, that's when I'd contacted you, the podcast of Sudden Wife Abandonment, because I'd never known it was a thing, and, and that was really what happened to me. It was like yes. he was alive one day and literally like he had died the next. Yes. It was just like he had died because he literally shut us off. He just literally went. So it, it really was like a death. So I was going through a grieving. I was grieving for someone that kind of I loved him but I didn't love who he had become. He'd become so nasty and so abusive in all the years and there's so many stories I could tell you but it kind of was me because there would be times throughout the years where he would just go over to his mum's for a weekend and say, I need to get out of here, I can't stand this life anymore. And, you know, he'd, he'd take, you know, clothes the next day and he'd be gone for a night or two and he'd go to his mum's and then she would talk to him and he would come back. So yeah. that would be on and off throughout our whole, our whole marriage. In, uh, yeah. So when you were together with him and you're saying he was quite abusive did you realize at the time or because I mean you would have got together when you were quite young I guess and it was such a long relationship did you realize at the time that it was abusive or was it only afterwards that you were sort of like "Uh." not at the time look he like I said I think earlier he he was very charming when we first met I was 24 so still very young Mm. um he he look I the way we, we met on a night out and I should have seen the signs from that first night because we were at a club and he'd been dancing and talking. I'd seen him. I'd noticed him. You know, he was a good-looking guy. I'd noticed him and we were kind of looking at each other, but he was dancing and talking with another girl all night. Then I, he'd grabbed my arm at one point and said, I'd like to dance with you, and I, I'd said no. But later on I was on the dance floor and I looked up and he was dancing with that same girl and I smiled at him. He walked away from that girl didn't even say a word to her and came over and just started dancing with me. And she was just left on the dance floor, like with her jaw open, like looking, thinking, what? "What?" And, you know, 20 years later, he did the same thing to me. He just walked out. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? Like, I should should say this. But look, honestly, he was charming. He was funny. He, He gave me so much attention. He, um, showered me with gifts and compliments and that's how you get reeled in. Yeah. Um, that's how literally it was all an act. Yeah. So he, he was a charmer. And, and when you think like I look back all those years, yeah, I see it. Yes, I was unhappy. Yes, I was. I still remember just in my, being in the bedroom and just crying some days, just crying all the time because he was just so awful, just so like oh, I, I can't even explain it. He, he just would really put me down make me out to be this, um, I don't know. He, he, look, one thing that sticks out, he would often do this noise when I walked past. He would go beep, 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 beep. And do you know what that was for? It was like a truck reversing, like he was saying, here comes big ass. Are you serious? Or, yeah. Or if I'd get something out of the cupboard to eat, he goes, oh, you really think you need that? Like there would be comments. And look, let me tell you, I've only ever been a size 8 to 10, maybe even a 12 my whole life. So, but in my mind, I was the size of an elephant because over all these years, he made me out to be, you know, this psycho, this crazy person. You're, you're making things up. I'm not talking like that. What do, you, what do you mean? Why are you saying that? I didn't say that. Like he would make me feel like I was going crazy. 
It would literally make me feel like I was going crazy. That's gaslighting. And I did it is gaslighting. He, like I look back and it's funny, just um, yesterday we were looking through some old videos of my eldest daughter. I'd happened to find them and we're looking through them and you look at me and I look like the um, most unhappiest and I look at photos of myself and there's no smile in my eyes. There's no, I was just so downtrodden. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I had no confidence. I was so shy. I barely spoke to people. Yeah, so different to what I'm like today. And, and that's just over the years, just the abuse, just, just the verbal abuse of making me out to be nothing. Took, it's taken me a long time and still even now I have moments where I'm so unsure, so unsure about myself, but much better than what I ever have been. Yeah. I think you're so beautiful. Did you, like, do you feel like, I know this is going to sound weird, but do you feel grateful about what happened because of who you are oh. today? <laughs> I would not be who I am today. My daughters would not be who they are today if he was still here. So when I say that about the girls, I say the confidence in them. My eldest daughter was always a really shy little girl. She's started uni this year. She has two jobs. She speaks up for herself. She's she's just gorgeous. She's just, she's not shy in any, you know, she's just so confident. And I'm so happy, <sighs> sounds terrible, but that, that he's not here, that he's not part of our lives in that way because they would not be who they are today if he had still been here. And I would not be who I am today if yeah. Um, he, I, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. It's like chalk and cheese. I'm two very different people. And I actually, when, when someone at work recently found out, because there's been some more issues with him just recently, and I was telling them the stories, and, and she said to me, she goes, I, she goes, knowing you, she goes, I just can't believe you were with someone like that that was so horrible to you, that was just so nasty. And still continues to be nasty. And I, I just said to her, I'm two different people. Yeah. I, I'm who I am today. I would never be if he was still in my life every day. That's, you know, so as much as it's devastating seven years ago, oh my God, I just am so thankful that that has happened. So thankful. I think that's such a good message because I think for anyone going through something similar or, you know, and you feel like it's just the end of the world and that how can you ever be happy and how will you live without this person or whatever, but look what it can do. It can completely transform your life and it can be such a blessing. It can be such a good opportunity to just like make your life amazing, become the woman that you're supposed to be and not have to deal with any of that bullshit. Yeah, nice to listen. I, I can read at night with the light on without worrying about what he thinks. Do you know what I mean? Like there's just yeah. little things <laughs> that he would just abuse me over and I did, there's so many things, like what I would wear, what how I would do my hair. Oh, I, I, Terrible. you know, I can't remember, but it's just there's so many things, there's so many stories throughout the years where he was just nasty and, and 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 not just verbally there were some physical times too where he had and, and after he would say things like that and no matter how much I would be crying or no matter how sad I'd be walking around the house he had no empathy he would never come up and say I'm sorry I said that to you I realized it hurt you or I'm sorry you got that bloody nose because I whacked you in the nose um I hurt you you know nothing there was never never any apologies never any apologies and I just oh you know so the, the the girls they see it now they're older yeah they um, I 
never stopped them from seeing him, even though I didn't want them to go to him. Like in the beginning, he barely saw them. Like I'd say for the first year, he barely saw them, wasn't interested. He was off with these younger women, living his life, going out, doing what he wanted to do, and he didn't have time. He would pop by, stand out in front of the veranda for five minutes, have a chat to them if they were lucky. Um, So that kind of worked for me, even though it was hard for me. I I felt comfort that they were around me and and not being with someone so unstable at that time because he was unstable there were times where he'd be at the door like he he have a dry mouth he'd be frothing and he'd be cranky and he'd be agitated and and I just thought oh thank god they're not going to stay with him because I just don't think it was good for them so by the time so my he left when my eldest was 12 by the time she was 14 she asked me to stop going she didn't want to go anymore she couldn't handle the emotional abuse that he was incurring Conflict, yeah, and she was old enough and she was wiser for her years too, always that bit older. So she kind of cottoned on really early and just didn't want to go anymore. And I was like, straight away, I was like, yep, you don't have to go, you don't have to go. My younger daughter has just hit that mark now. She stopped seeing him this year. She'd been asking me for most of last year, saying, I don't think I want to go anymore. I don't think I want to go. I don't like what happens over there. I don't like how dad talks. And like, you know, she didn't like it. And I kept, I didn't want to be as quick off the mark to say, no, you don't have to go anymore. I kind of felt like I didn't know if that was a good thing for my older daughter or not. It was because she was so upset about it, but I kind of made my younger daughter go a bit more. Don't know if it's been a good or a bad thing, but um, she does keep in contact with him through messages and every now and then we'll go and see him. But my elder daughter, no, not at all. It's very limited. A couple of text messages here and there. She doesn't want to be a part of it at all. They sound really strong. I think it must be so hard for children because don't you think we inherently like love our parents and we like we have this thing where we're like our parents are God like and everything they say like they're you know they can't do any wrong basically like when you're growing up you think they know everything you think like it's really mature of them to go he's not healthy like he's not healthy for me. To recognise that to know and you know this other this other little story stands out with me. So my young girl, she's 14 and she's in a group, there's a big group of them and they'd often go to the shops together or go down the beach and, you know, do that sort of thing. And she had this boy that liked her and he kept saying, I'm your boyfriend, I'm your boyfriend. And she, he kept saying to her, well, why don't me and you just go to the movies together? I, I'm, I don't want to be in the group anymore. I just want to talk to you, you know, this and that. And and she come out to my night and she goes, well, I've broken up with um, Brad. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I don't like him anymore. I said, oh, what's happened? And she goes, well, she goes, I didn't like the way he was talking to me. She goes, he sounded exactly like dad and I don't want to do that. And so I broke up with him. And I thought, oh, my God, if there's anything I've given them, if there's any lesson here, it's to recognise traits in people where they're perhaps trying to force you to do things you don't want to do or just being a part of a conversational relationship where they, you know, they're not treating you nice. And she at 14 recognised that. So I, I was kind of proud of that moment to think that she won't put up with any crap from anyone and, and won't have the kind of relationship that I had with her father. So that was kind of a good thing. That's a it made sad. great thing. You should way. be so proud. You should be so proud. That's incredible. That's fantastic. I hope my daughter doesn't think me. We've all been there. We all know them. And we just think, you know, why didn't I know that when I was younger, you know? Yeah, you know. that's fantastic. <laughs> um, and so how has it been then the last seven years? What what? what's how do you co I mean I guess you're not really co-parenting but how have you dealt with your life um look I'm not gonna lie it's been hard it has been hard it's easier now because like I said my older daughter's at uni she's very independent got a license um off doing things with friends and you know barely home at stages 
Um, but, you know, back in the early years, it was so hard because it, the, the defining moment for me was I had to get an AVO against him because the abuse had gotten so bad. He had held the kids hostage this one particular night and wouldn't let them come home and had threatened to, he'd come out to the car when he wouldn't let the girl, he'd come out to me. Because the police, I've been getting abuse all this time. I kind of hadn't spoken much about it, I suppose, but I've been getting abuse with messages and phone calls from him all this time. Even though he'd left, he's got the young girl, he's still abusing me and just like horrible, just uh, I couldn't even repeat some of the things he would say. And so this one night he rang me on my way when I was picking up the girls and he'd said, I know when you're alone and I'm going to come and slit your throat. <gasps> oh, my goodness. And I, I couldn't get to his mum's house fast enough. I got there and he wouldn't let the girls come out. He wouldn't let them come out. He, he, I was banging on the door, they're in there, no, wouldn't. Wouldn't then anyway? So I go and sit in the car and I ring my mom. So I don't know what to do. You know, he's not in the mouth. He said this to me. He can't I see the garage door coming out, and I thought he's bringing the kids out. He comes up to the window and makes the slitting motion across his throat to me. Oh my god! Like as if, yeah, and laughing like a maniac, and goes back in and shuts the door. I was beside myself. Now years later, the girls didn't tell me until years later that he actually that same night had made them. And recorded them on his phone saying that they don't want to live with me anymore, they want to live with him, even though they'd barely seen him because um, oh he was going to take them to court to, to say this is evidence the girls don't want to be with her. That's um, so, so I, I was sitting in the car beside myself. Like I was beside myself worrying. Now he's in an agitated state. He's threatening to kill me. What's happening inside? So I, he, I couldn't get in. His, his mum wasn't home. There was no one else home. So I ring the police and I said this is happening. And they said to me, go home, we will send an officer out to get the girls and we'll come to your house. So I went home. It was so hard to drive home. I just think it's just horrible. So hard to drive. I drove home and, like, within, uh, it must be half an hour after I got home, he pulls up with the kids and drops them off, doesn't get out of the car, almost practically throws them out the door as he's driving by because I'd had, he'd had done other things. Like he'd thrown rocks at my front windows and smashed the front bedroom and lounge room windows and he'd done, there was just so many things that had happened. And, and when the police came that time, they said, right, this is it, you need to do the ADO because they suggested it to me many a time. Yeah. And um, the lady was here that time. I said, look, I don't know if there's enough to go on. And she said, look, the sitting in the throat, the the messages you're getting, I said, yeah, but they're just messages, you know, and she looked at me and she actually said, she goes, let me tell you something. She goes, verbal abuse, emotional abuse is sometimes worse than physical abuse because it stays with the um, people who are being abused for longer. It's something that is very hard to change in the mindset. She goes, you need to stop this now. So... I went to the police station and I started the ABO process. So it was at that point I realised when we had to go to court and I saw him in the courtroom, I could not believe we were here. It's not my life to be part of a court, <laughs> to be yeah. part of, you know, going to the police, getting ABOs. It was really surreal and I thought that when I came out, when the ABO was awarded to me, I came out and I just broke down. My parents were there and I broke down and I said, what's upsetting me the most is I now know he's never going to be there for me and the girls. He's never going to be there for me but he's also never going to be there for the girls. He just will not be there to support them, and he hasn't. There's been, he's never come to any school events. He's never come to, he would show up to an occasional school event, but it was to get at me. It was to be intimidate me. Wow. He, he would stand in the corner, not participate in anything, and just watch me. 
from the other side of the room. It was it was to be intimidating to me. So he never, you know, sometimes at night time, you know, the kids do something good at school or they even they're having problems at school. There might be some bullying going on. It's always nice or it was nice to have someone to bounce those things off. Yeah. You know, you, they go to bed at night and you have a chat and you think, oh, are we doing the right thing? You know, should we do this or should we talk to this person or should they go to counselling? You know, it, I never had that. So I never, that was what was hard for me, the emotional side of things of, of two teenage girls yeah. um, and, and all the things that go with that if you're in a normal couple situation but doing it totally on your own and, and just the physicality of taking them places, getting to after-school events because he never took them to any of their after-school stuff, never to any of the sports stuff, never to any training, never paid for anything like that, never, ever participated in any of it, um, never got them to anywhere. So it was just not the emotional side. It was the actual physical side of me, you know, running to netball but still making sure I'm getting dinner cooked at home, having to stop halfway through a dinner cook, planning the meal so it fits in with the schedule, having to drive here and drive there. And then when my older daughter started working, I had to get her to her job. And, you know, it was, yeah. he was just never there. And it was very hard. The first couple of years I fought it and I would still be asking him. I still sent him messages saying, look, it would really help if you could pick up the girls or if you could go here. Or even if he just took them to dinner mm. one night, <laughs> a fortnight, just, yeah. just something. There was nothing. There was nothing like that. He literally walked away from everything both physically and emotionally. And it's been like that since day one and still is now, still is now. You still, you know, we have endless child support issues. We're still having a child support issue at the moment. It was to the point of a few weeks ago at Nepal, uh, a child support decision wasn't going his way and he abused the hell of me out of me at a Nepal game. Now I'm talking words that you don't normally hear in everyday language. Wow. So... I was just taken straight back to my life with him. It really threw me, even though I'm strong now. Yeah. It just took me straight back to that um, not confident. Just I went back to watch the game shaking. I was standing there shaking, but I kept a smile on my face thinking, you are not going to see that you have made me feel shit again. Yeah. I just stood there with a fake smile on my face the whole game, but inside I was churning. I was there on my own that game. So it was, it was, that was very hard. So it still is happening today. He still hasn't fully let go. I don't know if his current partner knows any of that. I don't know if she knows how horrible he still can be with everything. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? I mean, who knows? But, I mean, it sounds unlikely. Like he sounds like a complete narcissist and I don't oh, know. How, yeah. Like he, he's experiencing the same, surely. Uh, the girls would tell me that he, what he says to her, like when they were going there, it sounds like he was talking to you, Mum. That's what they would say to me. He talks to her in the same manner that he would talk to me. And that's what I think they didn't like and that's why I think they probably stopped wanting to go. They they just didn't like that because in our house, yeah, we're three women and we can get a bit crazy and highly agitated with hormones <laughs> and all that. So nothing's perfect here. But, um, At least you know, we get along. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, having a 14-year-old at the moment, girl in year nine, is kind of crazy with the hormones. So not um, <laughs> perfect. But it's a different kind of vibe to his house where there's abuse and he's putting her down and they don't want to listen to that because they don't get it here at home. No, that's you know awful. What I mean? Yeah. yeah it, it is awful. How lucky are you girls to have such an amazing mum, you know, like oh. they've got a fucked up dad by the sounds of it. Yeah. 
but they've <laughs> made up with it, made up for it with you because you're incredible. Like how amazing have you been, you know? Like everything. Like why, what I don't get is if, say, I was in reverse and I was the one that left and I was the one that didn't want to be with him anymore, that's fine. But how he cannot want to see them, Yeah. how can he not have that tearing of his heart like when they would go for the weekend, I would die. Die at first because I'd be worrying about them, but also just like missing that. Yeah. You know, even though I needed that time, like after being with them for a fortnight, when they were going more regular, they'd go for the, they'd be with me for the whole fortnight. And I would just, oh, good, it's time for them to go. But the minute they left, the house was nothing without them. So they're everything. And they still are. They still, and, and probably to my um, detriment sometimes that I have put them first so much. But I think I'm trying to make up for two people here. I'm trying to make up for what's missing. And I think um, if they don't, if I'm not here, then there's no one here. And so yeah. I, I put them first for everything. Like, no one parents that way, but that's the way I wanted to do it. And I'm still happy doing it. And um, they are, they are everything to me. I love them very much. Love them very much. It's so sweet. I think you're just so amazing. Like, I think it's great. Honestly, I don't know. I, it like. I feel really bad saying this because I don't, I haven't, I don't know the guy. But based on what you're saying, like he, he sounds even like psych- psychopathic. You know, oh. like <laughs> that whole complete lack of empathy. It's like there's no feeling. Yeah, no, absolutely no feeling. I didn't know. I'd never really heard the word narcissist before. And after he'd left, a friend had said to me, "Oh, he sounds like a narcissist." I'm going, "Oh, what's that?" And I actually got on the computer and looked up what it meant. And I'm going, "Oh." tick, tick, tick. Like every time they had the description, yeah. I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And it was just like a revelation. It was like, oh, that is what I'm dealing with. And I did, it wasn't until I, like probably two or three, three of years later after he left, I just stopped contacting him. I thought that I can't win with him. He never sees anything else but his side. I'm the worst mom. I'm this, even though I'm still here. The, now, the phrase that sticks with me when I realised he wasn't going to parent, help parent anymore, when I said, look, I can't get to get to the girls after school one day. Please, can you pick them up? And you know what he said? He goes, I'm not your babysitter. Oh, that attitude pisses me off. <laughs> My ex has said the exact same thing to me. And I'm like, babysitter? Isn't that shit? Yeah. I'm like, it's called parenting. You grow up. Yeah. It's not your turn, my turn. We do it together. Yeah. You need to do it together. It's, if you can't be, like, oh, I don't know. If it was the other way around, of course I can get them. I barely see them. I want to get them so I can spend some more time with them. That's how I would see it. But, no, he would just see it. He's just, you know, I, 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 funny enough, I was cleaning out a few weeks ago and some of the, I had some of the emails because I had printed some out to give to the solicitor as proof of, how he was, and it was just kind of like she was keeping them as evidence just because we didn't know how it was going to go. Yeah. And I, I'd kept, I, I kept a couple here and, you know, a couple of things he sent to me was like when we were talking about the settlement period, which was a nightmare, don't get me wrong, it was a nightmare. I would get messages like, your world will come crashing down, you blood-sucking leech. I hope you rot in hell and suffer in pain, you maggot. F off, you broken-down slut. So they wow. were constant messages, not just verbally, but also written in messages to me. So he's just a jerk. He's just a shit. He really is just a shit. He, you know, if he'd been a shit to me, that's fine. But the way he's just dropped the girls, that's the bit that makes me the angriest. Yeah. It really yeah. does make me the angriest. But, you know, we, we have, it's a long way down the track now. We've, we've, you know, he still pops in and out of the life and we go, oh, God, that, that's dad again. Or, you know, we just say. And they remember random things here and there. And, 
they're never that positive and that's what's sad that they don't get to remember a dad that's in a positive light yeah so that's the the bad bit (laughs) that's the bad bit out of it for them oh my gosh I'm so sorry that that's happened it's just so awful and I think you're just amazing really amazing thank you it hasn't been easy and that's kind of why I reached out to you because I, I think people need to realize I think you said earlier when I was talking earlier was that yes you're in that heat of the moment and if you and if someone is that horrible to you and, and this should have been me it should have been me I should have got out earlier I should have got out earlier because I, I was so unhappy thinking about do I have to share my life with this guy who makes me cry all the time when the kids get older and leave I'm going to be stuck with this mean man that's how I saw it and I didn't want that but I still kept living it and you don't have to you don't have to put up with it I wish I was me now back then (laughs) I would not there's no way in this world I would put up with something like that now there is no way it gets me so angry when I hear of all these stories um and, and and as hard as those first couple of years are, you get through it and you'll be so glad that that happened to you in a, in a kind of a strange way yeah. because your life will be better. Yeah, you don't have a lot of money. It's not You don't have the dual income anymore. You don't have the family holidays. They're the regrets for me. They're the bits that are, that's a bit sad. But it, everything else far outweighs that. <laughs> it far outweighs that unhappiness and, and, and that you need to look after you. And, you, and if you think your kids are turning into them, get them out. Yes. That's what I say. Get them out because they will just repeat the behaviour. They will either, if it's a girl, they will meet a man like that and live that same life or if it's a boy you're raising, he will just mimic his father's behaviour and inflict that on other people down the track. That's how I see it. I see it like That's that how too. I see it. Where they're, yeah. they're living with what they think is normal. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I wish I could keep talking to you. I've got to go to school to pick my daughter up. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. I'm so sorry because I don't want to cut, I don't no, want to cut you off. Of course you have to get her. Yeah. <laughs> that's more important. Listen, ramble on for hours. No, I love talking with you and I'm just so grateful that you've come on, you know, so I can't wait to carry on the conversation. Thank yeah, thank you. I'm more than happy. So I'll book another time and we'll chat again soon. Yes, I so can't wait. I'm so excited I'm speaking. I think you're doing a great job. I'm so happy that I have found you because you do, like, even just listening to Canna Campbell and just those sort of things, I wish I had something like that back then, seven years ago, to make me, to get me stronger faster. Do you know what I mean? Hearing other people's stories. So you're doing a great thing, really good thing for everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. I appreciate that. Okay, well, I can't wait go. to talk. I better run, but um, yeah, thank you, thank you, and I can't wait to chat again soon. Yeah, definitely. See you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, my goodness. You are amazing, seriously. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think you just sound like the most beautiful soul and you have just got such a beautiful attitude. I think something that is amazing and, you know, that I – I just I think is so incredible is that you are grateful for the experience and that you've come out a different person your children have come out different people you're strong you're you're brave you're independent you've just got it sorted you're absolutely fine and I think the fact that your children and that your daughter is you know you're you're teaching them self-respect is just such a valuable lesson and I just think that's absolutely amazing so you should be so so proud of yourself thank you for sharing what you have so far and next week we'll be continuing we're talking about 
raising teenage girls solo and my guest's new relationship, which is super exciting. And I'm so happy for her and dating and all that stuff. So I can't wait to share that with you. So tune in next week for that. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com or you can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at Single Mother Survival Guide. If you want to check out some of the other episodes of the podcast or read the blog, just go to the Single Mother Survival Guide website, which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. There is also a link on the homepage of that website if you want to join the Single Mother Survival Guide Support Forum, which is a Facebook group for us all to connect with each other. And that link will take you straight there. I will put all those links in the show notes as well. If you have enjoyed this podcast, as I mentioned at the beginning, I would absolutely love for you to rate it in iTunes or on whatever platform you listen in on. And if you have a few minutes, even writing a review would be just incredible and does help new single mums find this podcast. And maybe something that we can all take away, as I mentioned, mentioned at the beginning is reaching out to other people today. Maybe today's the day where we actively put in effort to say, how are you? And if they go, fine, thanks. How are you? Go, I'm good. But I mean, really, like, really, how are you? Like, I, I, I care. You know, you don't have to just say that. I think going that extra mile, it could really put a smile on someone's face and it could make a, such a difference in someone's life. So maybe we could all just give that a go. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are and when you're listening. And I'm really looking forward to continuing on with this lady and talking with you next week. Okay, bye for now. Bye.